You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All righty, it is game time. And uh, not only is it game time, but we are we are 10 days away from see if you're listening to this now so it's actually not 10 days away it's nine days away from uh, october 1st which is my opening season for whitetail and uh i'm jacked to get into the tree stand although i might not get into the tree stand on october 1st i know i will on october 2nd but uh i am pumped up for that and uh, hopefully the rest of you guys are, if you haven't already started your season, you're getting pumped up for your uh, your opener, which is probably the next opener, which is October 1st. I think Ohio is this coming weekend. So uh, I don't know. That seems to be all I'm thinking about this year is just going over everything in my head and, uh, you know, doing a mental checklist of, okay, my tree stands are up, check. My trail cameras are out where they need to be, check. Um, is my bow tuned and set up and accurate where it needs to be? Am I accurate? Uh, and the rest of my equipment, my clothing, all this stuff. But one thing that I like to do two weeks, even a week before the the hunting season even starts, is look at the weather, Right? And not just one tree stand, but several tree stands, right? So if it was hunting season and I had a southeast, southwest, northwest, whatever the wind direction is, I kind of do a mental analysis in my head of what tree stands would be, you know, would be good for whatever wind direction it is outside. So that way, when hunting season does get here, and it is time to hunt and you have uh, you know what an x wind that's going to you know you've already done that uh you've already run that uh that check in your head to know okay well here are a list of winds or stands that i can hunt on this wind you narrow it down and then it just comes to uh all right well I got pictures of this buck on this camera, or maybe I'm just after a doe because it's early season. So you you break it down. You're you're already thinking about it in, you know, a couple weeks before the season even starts. So that's that's the kind of thought process that I'm going through right now. I am 
checking the wind directions and then relaying that to different stand locations I have. So when that time comes, I already have it in my head where I need to be sitting for those particular wind directions. Now, that was a whole mouthful of information in four minutes or however long I've been recording, but I'm going to back up a little bit and I'm going to do a, a, I'm going to do a cool a sound effect of someone talking backward. Wasn't that cool? But, but today's podcast, all right, we're talking to a guy named Ruben. And uh, Ruben is going to, I mean, the main theme of this podcast is going to be talking about Kuyu, right? And his experience with Kuyu. But the underlying, uh, the underlying conversation is going to be about layering and um, how layering, you know, base layers, uh, insulation layer, your shell layer, all those things kind of play into this new trend with companies like Sitka, like Kuyu, like Numa, and, um, you know, that trend that's kind of going away from your your camo pattern to gear that actually allows you to hunt more comfortable and hunt longer and I think we can all agree that the more time you spend in the tree stand, the more, you know, it increases your odds of running into your target animal. So we're going to be talking about that today. Um, I've already gone off on a rant already, so I don't need to, to do that. But uh, before we start the podcast, I want to talk to you a little bit about some experience that I've recently had with uh I guess it's a software called Deer Lab. So oh, I don't even know where to start, really. So I'll just start. Typically, how I would, I, every, before every season starts, I would go to this giant folder where I had a whole bunch of trail camera pictures throughout the year stuffed into one folder and I'd flip through it. Okay, 2014, there's a, there's one of a shooter bucks. Here's a shooter buck. Okay, here's a buck that's not a shooter, but next year he'll be a shooter. All these things. And and then I I recently I got an email from a guy and his name's John and John is the creator of deerlab.com and he goes, "Dude, you need to try out this this software." And I'm just like, I put them off for like three weeks, right? So I'm just like, eh, haven't tried it. It's actually like three months. Haven't tried it. Haven't tried it. Hey, have you tried it yet? No, I haven't tried it. So finally, he's like, dude, just try it. Stuff your, you know, upload all your trail camera pictures of all your big bucks into this. um, And, you know, play around with it a little bit. Let me know what you think. And I start... I start uploading these pictures of all of the deer that I've been chasing over the years. And what it what it does is you set up trail camera locations on a map. Then you upload these pictures to where the trail camera was located. And long story short, what it allows you to do is track deer movement through your trail cameras. And as we all know, um, trying to trying to pattern deer not just that year but using past data to help you determine maybe an annual pattern of deer movement can help you forecast where deer are going to be moving the the next year so that's what I did I, I've been uploading all this data 
into one particular, you know, all this data, aka past trail camera photos, up into this uh, software, and it takes the time, the date, the wind direction, the temperature, all these, all all this data that factors into maybe if deer move or not. And I've already begun to see trends of maybe where I want to be hunting in early season, mid season, the rut, and it, it, it's showing me where these uh, where these are deer are moving throughout the year. So I I called them up and I said, hey man, my listeners need to know about this. Um, they need to know about this uh, software and what Deer Lab has done for the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast listeners is if you go to deerlab.com backslash nine fingers, that's the number nine followed by the word fingers, just like the Exodus uh, deal that I put out there. You can get 30 days of Deer Lab for free. So what I recommended doing doing is getting that free um, uh, subscription and then uploading as many pictures in there as humanly possible. And then what will happen is it will allow you to maybe track some deer movement before of past years to help you forecast for where you need to sit um, this upcoming this upcoming season. So uh, go check it out. Go read up on it. Uh, I'm going to have... Uh, I've already done a podcast with John, the one of the owners and founders of Deer Lab. Go check that out, uh, and you can get some more details of how that software actually works, what it does, what it's designed to do, so forth and so on. But uh, I just wanted to get that message out to you guys because I found it very interesting. I'm I'm the kind of guy who likes to look at data, likes to look at statistics, and I'm I'm that kind of guy who's like, if there is a stat that can help me get closer to a target buck or help me kill a mature buck i i want to take advantage of it so i've been playing around with uh with deerlab.com and uh so go and check it out now i've already mentioned that today we're going to be talking with ruben and he's going to talk to us a little bit about his experience with kuyu and maybe some other brands that uh uh that he's had experience with so uh check this out hopefully you guys like it and uh here we go all right on the phone with me now is ruben doherty is that correct you got it all right man hey how's it going going great man i'm jacked to use one of your words (laughs) i'm jacked up uh so when okay first off where are you from i'm from south central pennsylvania Okay. When does your season start in South Central Pennsylvania? Yeah. So this year, Pennsylvania starts on October 1st. And usually it's either the last Saturday in September or the first Saturday in October, whichever falls kind of closest to that October 1st date. Gotcha. Gotcha. So are there times where your season goes, starts later than October 1st? Uh, Yeah. Like, the other year it was like the fourth or fifth or something like that. So it varies a bit, but then I also hunt New York and that opens on the first every year, kind of like <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> right, right. So before, before we started recording, you mentioned that, uh, you're, you're from Michigan. You, you've hunted in Michigan, New York and Pennsylvania. So like the three highest populated, I guess, yeah. hunter states in the I United call- States. I call it the pressure trifecta. 
So, so now that everybody thinks that I'm crazy, like why, why have you hunted in those three states of all states? My wife is from Michigan, so I moved out there when we first got married. And I spent five years out there in southwest Michigan. Um, and so then I, I hunted out there. Then I drive over to New York um, from Michigan and hunt the rut on our property that we have in the southern tier of New York. And then I grew up hunting the northern tier of Pennsylvania for since I was 12. So everybody I talk to from those states, you know, that everybody bitches and complains. There's too many hunters. There's so mm-hmm. many dumb hunters. Yeah. Is that is that the truth? I mean, are those states literally horrible to hunt in? Um, well, I would say it like this. I don't think that we have like, a, what's the word, um, a monopoly on dumb hunters. I've been a dumb hunter before, so right. I feel like you know, like I shouldn't be talking because we all go through kind of a progression. I think, um, I would say that there's a lot of guys who maybe mistaken, um, some of their, some of the tactics that they maybe see on TV or read in magazines as being applicable to say Pennsylvania or New York or even Michigan. And so they hunt the way that they, that they see, um, whitetails being hunted. And so they're sitting field edges and things like that. And I did that for a long time. And I was like, and I thought it was me. I was like, why am I not, you know, why am I not seeing the deer? And, and not, not that I thought that a 160 was going to walk out, but I'm talking like, why didn't I see a 110 inch buck walk out, you know? And the 110 inch bucks, they're not going to walk out in a field edge, um, in Pennsylvania during season. That just, that doesn't happen unless you have enough land to manage and you can kind of keep the pressure completely low and, and it's just not a very realistic situation. So I think that's why we get pegged with, Oh, there's so many dumb hunters. But I think a lot of those guys, if they would take the style that they hunt with and take it somewhere where maybe those styles were more applicable, they might have a little bit more success. That's kind of my theory on it. Right. Yeah. Mark and I talk a lot about that on the wired to hunt podcast about, you know, Every person has is given a different scenario when it comes to hunting. So, you know, if you live in one of those states, you can't hunt like, you know, the Drury's hunt or the Lakoski's right. hunt because you don't have a thousand acre managed farm with, you know, hundreds, hundreds of different acres of food plots and zero pressure on those right. properties. You know what I mean? So, well, and, and even to that point, like you're in Iowa yep. and where you're hunting, you're sharing property. And you can't hunt like that either. You know, you have, you have to have different, more aggressive tactics and stuff than what they may be able to enjoy. You can't sit in a box blind and you know what I mean? So everybody's situation, you just have to tailor your approach to the hand that you're dealt kind of, you know, or find, or go find a new hand. (laughs) That's, that's a fact. That is a fact. That's a fact. All right. So you currently live in Pennsylvania, right? Yep. All right. What do you do for a living? Um, I sell insurance, um, which unfortunately that we get lumped into like the lawyers and bankers. So. <laughs> That's funny. So you're, you're basically a scumball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, so far you're pretty cool. Don't ruin it. Okay. All right. I'll try not to. <laughs> All right. No promises. So, no promises. You're not going to try to upsell me on the phone today, are you? No, I don't think I'll do that. I mean, I, I might sound like a Kuyu salesman until we're all done. <laughs> done with this but i'll try and keep that on on the download too 
Okay. And that's uh, funny you bring that up because we are – this is actually a product review podcast. You contacted me and you're like, hey, I'd like to talk a little bit about my experience with uh, Kuyu, some other brands and uh, you know, basically talk about you know, having some really high-quality pieces and then maybe adding some not-so-high-quality or some cheaper items to help uh, you know, finish out your layering system. Is that kind of what you were trying to get at? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. All right. So I guess I want to start at the very beginning. Um, How long have you been hunting? Well, I've been hunting since I was 12. Um, So I'm just turned 31. So I'll let everybody do that math. So for a while now. Okay. So when you started out hunting, you know, and well, let's let's fast forward past 12 because I take it you weren't hunting by yourself when you were 12 and you weren't, um, you know, kind of going after animals by yourself, you know. So let's 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 move it till let's say, you know, 20. Would you say that 20 is when you started hunting really serious or was it before that or after that? Well, relatively speaking, I thought that I was hunting serious when I was like 16 and could go by myself because I started bow hunting a a few years before that and I didn't come from a family of bow hunters. So I considered myself like way more hardcore than anybody in my family just because I was in the woods substantially more than them because that's why I picked up archery hunting. So I could be hunting more than two days of gun season. So, um, so to that point, I felt like I was hunting seriously, but I, I, looking back on it, I probably wasn't. Um, so anyhow, I started to answer your question. Like when I was in my twenties, that was like through my college years. And so my hunting time was limited because of that. But what I was doing as far as like a gear standpoint was kind of flipping through the Cabela's magazines and making that wish list and saving up my money and going to like the retail box stores, kind of just buying stuff off the shelf and using it like stock items, basically, I would say not really tailoring anything to like my own individual needs. Like this must be what I need because this is what's there. Gotcha. So what I take it as a college kid, you know, early twenties, right out of college, your main focus was probably price. Um, yeah, I would say so. That was a huge determining factor. Yes. Okay. And you know, you know, even if we take that, that comment and fast forward all the way to today, for me, this is just based off my opinion, price kind of reflects quality in the hunting industry. And sure. that's that's my that's what I'm taking away from it. Right. Um, would, you, would you agree or disagree? I, I agree um, like 90% with that. I okay. would say like, so a lone wolf stand is going to be like 250 bucks for a hang on or whatever. And I have a lone wolf and I love it. It's awesome. And it absolutely is worth $250 to me um, because of the way that I hunt. Uh, So I want to be mobile and I want to be quiet so I can optimize that stand. You know, I have it wrapped up with tape and everything else to quiet it down. Um, Another guy might only hunt out of ladder stands. And so he might be able to get by with a $70 stand and it does everything that he needs it to do. For me, that quality that price is, is worth it because of the quality that I'm getting and the application that I need. I think there's also some other overpriced items, I guess I would say. Um, but as a general rule, I think you're right on like 
if you're going to buy something and you want the best, you're going to have to pay a little bit for it, whether that's bows or guns or, you know, you name it. Okay. So, you know, now going back, all of the, you know, all of the, the clothing that you, you know, you may have purchased was from the Cabela's type stores, the big box stores. Um, can you remember how it performed or how you thought it performed back then when you were, when you were wearing that and, and maybe talk a little bit about, um, I guess what your, what your mindset was when buying camo, were you more focused on the camo or were you more, more focused on, um, it being comfortable? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, what I was first focused on, um, was, I would say <clears throat> probably was scent and this is probably not like a divisive topic to get into. Um, but I like wanted so badly wanted a carbon suit. And so I saved up my money and I went and bought one. I got it on sale for like, I think back then it was like 200 bucks for like bibs and a coat. And then I just layered underneath it, like all my like long johns and everything that I had and hooded sweatshirts and everything. I just, I got like a two sizes too big on the carbon suit. So I could just put everything underneath it. Cause I was like, I'm going to catch all my scent in this carbon suit. And since then, I guess what I would say is I don't really believe in that technology anymore. Okay. Um, so that's not as much of a factor, but I didn't really care about as much of the other stuff because I just thought I needed this carbon suit. Does that answer the question? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, for a while there, you dabbled in the carbon game, in the carbon suit game. I, do you know what brand it was that you, uh, that you bought? Yeah, the first one that I had was, um, I guess it was like a, I think it was like a scent blocker. It might have been like Dream Season something or other. Um, as I recall, and then I got another one after that, um, that was, uh, I think it was also scent blocker to be honest with you. Okay. And do you have, did you have more negative experiences with that technology? And I know this is kind of getting away from what we're talking about, but this is right. like I said at the beginning, this is a BS session and we're just sure. going to go wherever it takes us. But, um, did you have more positive or negative uh, or, I guess events while wearing that suit that made you go, okay, I don't believe in this anymore. Um, I think the reason why I didn't believe in it anymore was because I was still getting winded. And part of that was my fault uh, because I wasn't hunting the right way at that point in time in my life. But I kind of bought into that whole technology thing where like, I remember, I don't know if you remember this ad, this is so obscure, but I remember this ad that was like a two-page scent lock ad in deer and deer hunting in the front cover. And it was like a bunch of little pictures and it was like the exhaust pipe on a car. And then it was yeah. like a grill and it was like the exhaust you walked through, the gas you pumped, the food yeah. you cooked and everything. And it was like, he smells all of that. You need scent lock. Yeah. And so I was like, it doesn't matter. I can hunt wherever yeah. As long as I got this suit on and I just don't really look at it that way anymore, but I was still getting winded and I was like, yeah. I'm washing my clothes. I'm, I'm drying them. I'm taking care. I'm re quote recharging them in my dryer. I'm taking care of them. Um, exactly how I'm, I'm reading. I need to be, and I'm still getting winded. So that was what started making me maybe lose faith in that more so than like the performance of the garment as far as, um, 
I'll say like if it rained, like there was a certain amount of like water repellents to it. Um, I didn't get like soaking wet when it would be a light rain, you know, now if it was a downpour, that's a different story. So I was like fairly happy with that because it was the the only thing that I had to go off of. So I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, It was more the lack of results as far as the scent control goes that kind of made me start thinking like, what am I paying extra for, for garments that I, I don't really believe in? Right. I don't know. What company was it that had the, the, the motto, forget the wind, just hunt. Was oh, that scent yeah. blocker or scent lock? It was, yeah, I know exactly. I can't say which one it was. I don't want to say wrong, but yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. When, I think, I think it was one of those companies again, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but all right. So after, you know, the carbon game didn't work out for you. Uh, what was kind of, you know, what were you looking for next? Okay. So you felt that, all right, you know, this scent lock or the scent blocker camo, it's not doing the thing. I need to, I need to reevaluate what I'm purchasing. What was the next thing that you kind of went to after the scent blocker? Yeah. Let me rewind just real quick. One, okay. I was getting the, like getting those scent blocker things. Like I had started reading back then, um, I don't, do you remember Nat gear? It was oh, like an, an no. open, it was like an open pattern. I think it's still around. It was like an open pattern camouflage. Um, and they had these ads where they would show like the mossy oak or real tree, like at a distance and it would like blob. They called it, yeah. it like, have the blob effect. It would just be, look like a dark black blob in the tree. And so like back then I was like very intrigued by these open patterns, kind of like the, um, coincidental disruptive patterns um, okay. at like Sika as with, you know, Optifade and Elevated 2 and whatnot. And so that was very intriguing to me. I just couldn't afford that stuff at that point in time. Um, so when I started to look for something else, one of the other things, I guess, other than scent was I was walking in to my stands with these clothes and they were so heavy. And I would take a a coat off and then I take my sweatshirt and I had like seven layers on. So I'd be taking all these layers off, strapping them to my backpack and I'd be walking in with like 20 pounds felt like on my back. And I was just sweating on the way into stands. And I was just like, I got to get something that's lighter. I don't care about the carbon anymore. And then I started listening to wired to hunt. Of course, Mark wears Sitka. So I started doing some research on that. Um, And I listened to you guys at a, conversation you were wearing i think predator back then Mm -hmm. um and you were kind of talking about the open camo patterns and i was like you know i gotta gotta look into this and then you guys had donnie vincent on and he was talking about wearing kuyu which i think he might be back in sick and now i can't keep track um (laughs) but but he was talking about kuyu system and so i started doing that was the first i had heard of the company and i started doing research on it and i was like i had a sick of system all picked out i went to the retailer by us here that deals um with sicka and i i tried everything on i had the sizing down and i had everything picked out and i was like i'm just gonna give kuyu one last look and so i decided i was gonna i looked online i decided i was gonna call one of their sales reps because obviously you have to direct order and so i had a conversation and just started asking questions about you know about the garments and about, you know, the applications. I was like, 
you guys are marketing to mountain hunters. I want to hunt whitetails. I'm, I'm static hunting. I'm not out there climbing. Can this work for me? And she was like incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly helpful and helped me through, okay, this is just build your system from the ground up. And so what I did was I went through and I said, okay, I want this and I want this. And I just started saving up my money and put a few bucks back out of every paycheck until I had enough money to get a system. Okay. So, you know, you were, you were looking at, you know, you found out through that, you know, me and Mark talking about layering and, you know, I really did, I really do and did like the, the, the pattern, uh, predator pattern like you, Mm -hmm. but it was, God, what year was it? 2014. That, I don't know if, if you hunted in the Midwest in 2014, the first two weeks, or there was a, a, maybe, maybe the second week of November, it was down to 12 degrees for like four days in a row in the mornings for the morning hunts. And then the sun didn't come out. So the high was like, you know, 25 uh, with a wind chill and the, the deer hunting was awesome, but, but I was wearing an awesome camo pattern but the company didn't offer any type of you know back then i don't i I guess i haven't looked now but they didn't offer any type of layering system so i was wearing your standard long johns uh like four hooded sweatshirts Mm -hmm. and it was all cotton you know so i'm walking just like you walk into the uh the timber sweat my balls off and then get there and and then it's just a matter of time until the cold hits you soaks through right. all of that stuff exactly so so and that's I not even screwed. that's not even mentioning like your mobility in the stand like i think exactly. that year i think that year you were filming for ryan right that, yep that's correct yeah so, I, so I, I didn't even have to draw exactly yeah you didn't have to but imagine like i'm that same year that was the ironically that was the same year that i decided that i had to do something and started looking seriously after season into yeah. sick or kuyu and i was just like i was there and i like, you know, you get up into your stand and you like draw back in your shooting lanes, you know, just to make sure you got clearings and, you know, your limbs are clear and everything. And I, I drew back and I couldn't even get my string anchored because I had so many layers on. I was like, this is ridiculous. Right now. So what made you know, you, you already had a Sitka system basically picked out and then you, you kind of looked at Kuyu. What were, what were some of the reasons comparing those two? Let's compare those two and why you decided to eventually go w- with purchasing some of the QU stuff. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I guess I'll just qualify it. Like I don't, you know, I don't mean to knock anybody who has Sika because it's fantastic stuff. Like when I put it on, I mean, you can tell that it's quality stuff. So it's just, yeah. I chose to go into a, a different direction, but I don't mean to say that, I'm not taking a dump on Sitka, okay? Right. So, no, this is this is our opinion. You know, yeah, Sitka yeah. doesn't sponsor me, and I, I, sure, and uh, Guyu doesn't sponsor you. You know, we don't have any yeah. affiliation with those companies. So, sure, sure. So, what I looked at was the the garments themselves. I looked at the materials. So, I started at a very like I guess I would call it a techie level, yeah. and Kuyu was offering they have like a synthetic line and then they also have more of what I'll call their natural fibers for their base layers. Sika the does the, wool. the merino wool and Sika does the same thing. Um, and the vendors, I guess I'll call them that they're using from around the world are, are very innovative 
and I like that. I, I just like if there's a reason why you're doing something and you're doing it different than everybody's always done it and you found a new way to do it and it gives the fabric more loft or more warmth to weight ratio or more stretch or whatever it is, I, I find that to be intriguing and cool and my interest is immediately perked. And so when I started looking at Kuyu's fabrics, like for their merino wool, they're using a comp- the merino company from New Zealand, and they're using a technology called, I believe it's called New Yarn, um, and they're not twisting the yarn fiber. Uh, so however they're making it, um, the yarn is has more, like 35% more loft. Um, you can go on the website and, and read about everything that they're doing. It's got more stretch. Um, it, there's just, it's a higher performing merino wool than like your standard merino stuff. So I was like, that's very, that's very interesting to me. Then when I looked at it compared to the Sika merino wool, um, it was like 60% the price. So again, now that's even more intriguing to me because I have a little bit more money than I had when I was in college, but I'm still not, you know, independently wealthy by any means. I mean, we all still think about the cost of things. So, um, so then it, it basically started for me what I, how I wanted to hunt and what I, and so the application kind of drove and steered my conversation about what gear I needed. So I wanted merino layers because I wanted something that, that wool that was going to continue to have the insulation properties, even if it got wet. Um, so I was okay with taking something that would dry a little bit slower, like the wool would dry slower than the synthetic, um, because I wasn't going to be hunting in like a humid climate. Now, if I was hunting down in the South, um, I would probably look more towards something like the polyester type base layers, you know? Um, but for me, I wanted that Merino wool base layer and they had additional technology, what I considered additional technology and innovation in the garment. And so that was a selling point for me. And it just went up from there. Like each layer of the system had that innovation in it. So, um, I mean, we can talk about the other layers. I don't want to get too long winded on just one individual thing, but that was kind of what drove that whole kind of discovery process for me with Kuyu. Well, and it's very important to talk to you when you're talking about the, the base layer, because in a way it is the most important layer. It controls the moisture and it determines whether or not you're going to get cold after you, for a whitetail hunter anyway, after you stop and where's that moisture? Is it next to your skin or is it away from your skin? And that's what, and that's what makes you hot or cold. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And then to that point too, like for the longest time I was wearing like my base layer was like an under armor type of base layer. And, um, it was like a compression type of base layer. And I didn't realize that when I'm sitting there, that's great if you're on the move, but when I get to my stand and I'm sitting there, that compression layer isn't helping my circulation any. So I actually was kind of shooting myself in the foot by having that. I'll call it, it wasn't under armor, but it was the same concept. Um, so the Merino wool isn't a compression layer. Uh, so it actually does a lot more for me when I'm sitting there on a static hunt. Okay. All right. So, you know, 
you you d- you did your research with uh, Kui, you, you decided to go that direction. Um, so what was the f- what were the first uh, garments that you purchased from Kuyu? The base layers. Um, yeah, I actually bought a system to start out. So I waited until I had enough money to buy the system that I wanted to buy. And the reason you don't have to do it like this, but the reason why I did it like that um, was basically because I felt like with Sika or Kuyu, everything kind of starts, like you said, from the base layer and works from the ground up and the whole system works together. So you could certainly buy the base layers and probably have a great set of base layers. But I wanted, you know, like even the sizing, you know, it kind of like layers on, they make the next, you know, the next layer is a little bit bigger, but it's still a large, you know, that whole concept. Um, So it's just that whole system. So I was like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to wait until I can do it right. And so during the off season, I just saved my money from the time season ended basically until I could buy it right before, like a month before the season, the next season started. So to answer your question, I got the Merino base layers. There's a Peloton full zip hoodie that's uh, 240 gram, um, like a knit um, synthetic hoodie full zip. And then I got the super down insulation layers. I got the super down jacket, the super down vest, and the super down pant. And then for my outer layers, I got the attack pant and the Teton soft shell. And then I did wind up getting um, some of their headgear. Uh, but I also, last year, wore Sitka, um, some Sitka stuff for headgear. Okay. So how much did you spend initially on that first purchase? So my first purchase with all of that, oh, and I also did buy rain gear um, for, the, for the first purchase. And I bought the Teton rain gear, which okay. is their cheaper version of rain gear. Uh, but for me, I'm not in like torrential down i'm not going to hunt torrential down forest because i usually take a camera anyway um so with rain gear and everything i was around i want to say 12 to 1300 bucks 12 to 1300 bucks okay so i hope my wife never listens to this (laughs) i hope no none of our wives ever listen to this podcast (laughs) because i might be in some big ass trouble if uh, my wife ever ever listened to that this podcast but um but okay, so so you got it. Um, I guess right out of the box, without even wearing it, did you know? Did you notice maybe a higher quality uh, garment than what you were used to? Did you? Because you know, without testing something and knowing that it's worth more money, there's always that question: Did I make the right purchase? Right? Yeah, and I think absolutely, and I think that that's like one of, if I had to say, one of the drawbacks of Kuyu. It's their strength in the direct sales model, but the drawback is that. I couldn't try any of these things on or have them in my hand before I bought them. So I was a bit of a leap of faith, but I would say when they shipped and got to me, like the, like even from the packaging and everything, like the Merino wool, like came in like a, this is, this doesn't matter for hunting, but it like came in like a cinch sack bag and stuff. And it was just like, kind of like a little extra detail that it was like, you knew it was like a higher end garment that they would take the time to present their, clothing like that so that's neither here nor there but i'm just mentioning it um but when i put it on the first thing that i noticed was the fit like it the stuff was not like anything that i had ever worn before it it wasn't bulky i was like at first i was like boy this really is like an athletic fit i don't know if i'm gonna like this 
Um, but then the first time that I wore it hunting, it was the range of motion that I had, like climbing up my tree steps and, you know, hanging a stand, hanging off the side of the tree and climbing into my stand and being able to draw my bow and everything. I just had such a full range of motion because of the fit of the clothes. It's just like they're, they have, you know, um, the, the stitching is, is in the right places to give you, you know, full range of your arms, you know, the knees, the way they have the knees stitched is, is the same thing there. I mean, it's just very, it's a very good fit, but it's more athletic than like if you were to buy Under Armour clothes, they're going to be more of a loose fitting baggy fit than what Kuyu is going to be. Oh, so Kuyu is tighter than Under Armour? Yes. Yeah. Sign- okay. I would say, I would say significant. Now I don't know about Under Armour's new Ridge Reaper stuff, but I'm talking about like the stuff that's been out for a while. Okay. Um, like for the Kuyu pants, I, the lady who I talked to, she actually advised me to buy, like I wear 34 pants, uh, waist. She actually advised me for the attack pants that I bought to buy 36 because once I put the super down pants, they're like a fairly puffy down pant. Um, once I put them under it, she said that they would fit perfectly if I went a size up from my normal waist and I can wear them with or without the super down pant and they fit perfectly. And I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but for me, that sizing was, was spot on. Okay. And you know, like you said, you had some questions, we're able to call their, you know, sales rep or customer service line and they were able to walk you through everything that you needed. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. They were very helpful that way. So, so now, you know, it looks good. Now it's time to test it. You you get to the early. I mean, did you wear this throughout the entire season? I mean, right off the bat into the early season. Yeah, as soon as I got it, I probably had like one hunt where it was like, I want to say, there's a section in Pennsylvania that opens earlier than the like beginning of October because um, they have a like a depopulation incentive there, and I hunted a few times there, and I wore some of my older clothes because some of the Kuyu hadn't shipped to me yet because some of it was on back order at the time. Um, but by beginning of October, I had everything. And so I started wearing the system from then on. And I just didn't wear some of the heavier outer layers. Like I kind of throughout the season added more to what I was wearing and just built the system up until late season when I was wearing basically every single piece that I had bought. Okay. So did you instantly know like this is better than what I had. Yeah, pretty instantly um, because I was wearing way less clothes and I was way warmer. So it was, I remember the first day I hunted the opening day of New York last year and it was unseasonably cold where I was at. It was like 40 degrees and blowing like 15, 20 mile an hour wind. And I really didn't even pack enough of the clothes that I had, uh, the Kuyu stuff. I probably should have had another layer and I just had the, the Merino wool and the Peloton zip hoodie. And if I was standing out there with a cotton hoodie on with just, you know, like a, some kind of thermal shirt, I would have been out of the tree stand in the first hour of the morning. And I stayed in the stand all day and, and only had like two layers on. And so that kind of, at that point in time, I was kind of sold. Now I wouldn't recommend like to, you know, <laughs> go out there in 40 degree weather and just the hoodie. I wish I would have had like the down coat. Um, but I, it was, it was manageable is what I'm saying. 
Okay. So what about the noise? Was, you know, because I have a, I have a down piece. It's, it's a, it's a vest from uh, Sitka. And like when the Kelvin I, or something? Yeah, the Kelvin. It's the Kelvin light vest. Mm-hmm. And although it is amazing at cutting wind and keeping mm-hmm. me warm, um, it, it, it can make some noise. When, especially right. when you're drawn back and, you know, like sometimes you regulate your heat. So you have your, um, all your top, you know, like your, your, your hoodie, your, uh, you know, the vest and I have a shacket and then my, my shell, uh, mm-hmm. I have it unzipped to let some of that heat out. Yep. Um, if I draw back, it can make a little bit of noise that, that, especially the down layers, none of the other stuff does, but just, you know, that, that vest does. Do you have any, does your, uh, down layers make any any noise because they're typically in a different type of, I guess, casing than the mm-hmm. rest of the the garments. Yeah, to be fair, they they are the noisiest garment, um, and I don't wear them like as ever wear them as an outer layer for multiple reasons. I don't think that personally, I can't see them holding up to briars and brush uh, right. real great as an outer layer, so I don't use them for that. But I I think they would be too noisy for that. Um, I usually have them underneath the Peloton zip hoodie that I have. And then I have that all underneath my outer soft shell jacket, which is very quiet. But to answer your question, like they use a stunner stretch fabric over their down layers. Um, and it's like a downproof layer. So it is kind of that, like, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but feels, you know, sort of like, uh, wind pants, sort of that same kind of, you know, material. And, it's not very breathable because it's down downproof. So that's if you're very active, like spot and stalk type of hunting, there's other synthetic layers that probably would work better um, and could potentially be a little bit quieter. I don't have any of them because that's not really the kind of hunting that I do. But I haven't had an issue, I would say, when I have those other layers over it, like when I'm drawing my bow. But the times that I notice it is when I'm like carrying my coats in and I strap them to the bottom of my pack and then I'm putting them on in my stand. I kind of have to put them on slow because there is that kind of swishy sound when you're, when you're putting them on in the morning. Right. Right. All right. So cold weather, uh, how did it perform that, you know, early season, you know, you you really can't tell other than maybe some moisture wicking what your garments are doing for, for you. But I really felt it, you know, that, Late October, early November into late November for me is when I really noticed the difference. And like you said, the uh, with my the Sitka stuff was the ability to wear less layers, but be able to be more comfortable. Yeah, I would I would say the same um, with this stuff. I I personally am I get cold pretty easily, so I got probably more quote unquote more layers than what they might recommend that you get. Like I got the down vest and the down jacket and that combination of having it's 850 fill power down. So it's, you know, it's a high fill power. So you you have a lot of um, air in the down. It's going to loft really well. Um, So having those two down garments for me and then the other layers that I had, the Merino and then, um, that Peloton hoodie and then my soft shell. It sounds like a lot, but all of my clothes together were like 
under seven pounds. So everything that I was wearing was under seven pounds, even with all of this stuff that I'm describing. Um, so I had like, I was not cold one. T- I can honestly say I was not cold one time during the season. And I'm talking like when you're like, get out of the stand cold, like everybody's going to, you know, your fingertips and stuff get a little bit cold. Let's be honest. But yeah. you know, like sitting there like freezing and shaking, like, I don't know if I, my muscles are so tight. I don't know if I could draw a bow. Never one time. I mean, I was comfortable in the stand the whole season from the beginning to the end. Right. Now, what about, uh, and this is kind of off, off topic, but what about your feet? What were you wearing for socks and maybe boots for that late season? Yeah. Um, I, for a while now, I've worn a sock system that's like an Italian merino wool liner sock with like, um, I should, I, I said that wrong, a merino wool liner sock and like an Italian wool outer sock. Um, and then I got kind of cheap and I bought some worsted wool outer socks, which aren't as, as soft and they're a bit heavier, um, but they work pretty well too. And then I just wear like insulated rubber boots. Um, I got a new pair of like Bushnell archers and I think they might have, I can't remember off the top of my head. It might be four or 800 grams of insulate insulation in them. So they're not terribly heavy insulation, but my feet are usually pretty good with that. Okay. Sounds good. Now you mentioned to me, um, in the email that you sent me that because you know, you're budget conscious, just like a majority of us are, we have to, um, pick very carefully what we purchase so we don't go over budget and piss our wives off. Right. Right. Um, And that's a stereotype because I'm sure there might be a couple ladies out there who are listening to this. But uh, um, you mentioned that you you would replace you you also pick some some garments maybe that were cheaper priced and maybe not to you to to use in this system as well. Right. Um, and basically, what those were, I went on Amazon, and if you're going to do this, you have to understand what you're giving up. And, and I felt like I was okay with doing it. So I found Merino layers that had the same weight. So like the two ten grams, um, per meter squared of, of fabric, like that's how they rate the, the weight of the Merino layer. I found some of the same weight Merino under layers, uh, base layers on Amazon for like even half the price of the, so the, the Kuyu one was, 60 or 70 bucks or whatever. Um, I found one for 35 on Amazon and then I got a pair of bottoms. So I wanted multiple base layers anyway, so I could rotate them out if they did get sweaty or something. Um, so instead of buying multiple pairs of Kuyu base layers, I have one pair of Kuyu base layers, which is my favorite, which I think performs the best. Uh, but I sacrifice a little bit and I have two other sets of base layers that I got that are still merino wool. They're still the same weight. I got them off of Amazon and you can tell that the quality is not the same, but they, I mean, I can tell you that they worked very well for me. Right. Now, where did you say, you said you, you looked on Amazon for, for some cheaper, do you ever go to websites like, uh, um, steep and cheap or backcountry or God, there's another one I'm, I'm thinking of They it's for backpack. You know, a lot of it's for backpackers, but they also sell, um, 
I guess they don't sell too much hunting stuff, but they sell a lot of the same type of garments like merino wool socks and base layers and, um, you know, shells and all that stuff for, for backpacking. Have you ever visited those? Yeah, I have been like backcountry gear. I've actually bought, um, climbing rope on there to make my own like lifelines and stuff like that. But I've never actually been on there to buy like, like merino wool garments or anything like that. Right. Uh, Amazon's treated me pretty good. I have tried out some of those websites that um, you and Mark were talking about them one time. Like they're like bargain bin type websites. They get like five products like a week or something, and they have them at like eighty percent off. But it's like very few products. I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, uh, um, I actually know a guy. He runs one of those. It's uh, huntinggeardeals.com. Yeah, that might have been one of the ones I was on. Yeah, so, one of them. They sell discounted everything hunting. Discounted it's like overstock stuff. stuff. So like I scour them sometimes if I can yeah. find, you know, and sometimes they have like, sometimes they even have sick of stuff that's like way, way, way discounted. Yeah. The sizing is a little bit limited sometimes. But yeah, I, I check those places frequently um, for deals. And then also I, in addition to Amazon, I always check the Kuyu outlet. So they have outlet deals like on discontinued stuff or overstock or whatever. And sometimes you can even get up to like 60% off of the Kuyu price on, on Kuyu gear there. So that's a good, good place to look too. So, uh, what's the, do you happen to know what their warrant Kuyu's warranty is? Like if you tear it or if you uh, rip it or something like that, what they, what they would do, I mean, will they fix it? Will they just say, you know, tough shit, you're, it's it's clothing if you rip it it's it's ripped yeah i don't quote me on this but i think it's similar um to sika and i i could be speaking out of turn here um but i think you can send it back and they'll fix it for you for the cost of the repair like so they like uh, gotcha. fix you for the cost of the repair i think that's similar to sika it might sika might be a little bit more generous um, than that, but they also have like products on their website, and I don't know, I can't attest to how great they work because I've never used them. But they have like patch kits and stuff that you can get for some of the garments on their website. I think some of the rain gear garments they have patch kits for. Right. So what about you know you take it out of the package? It looks really good. So I have a fanatic hoodie, right? Mm-hmm. It looks, it it functions awesome. I've washed it several times, you know, over the last season. And, uh, it's, it's kind of got like, it's, it, it has lost its new look and it's kind of faded because, you know, after you wash it a certain amount of times and and then, and then dry it, it's, it kind of has a white tint to it. I gotcha. What about the, I mean, after you wash it several times, what about the, uh, Kuyu? Does it change color? Um, does it, does it look more worn? Anything like that? Yeah, I, I would say that. I haven't washed it a, a lot because I'm pretty. The stuff that I've washed the most is the base layers. Um, I'm pretty careful about not getting the other stuff sweated up too much, so I try and and wash it not that often during the season. And I right. and maybe I'll find out ten years from now that I don't believe in this technology either. But I got one of those like um, ozone units that you like put in your bin. Yep. Treat your clothes, you know, and I feel like I've had good luck with that kind of taking the smell off of the stuff there's sort of like that ozone smell to it when you pull it out but it kind of smells like fresh air in a way you know yep. um 
so I, I did that more than wash it. So I got away with not washing some of my outer layers as much. And then with the merino wool under layers, like you have to be very careful that you follow the wash instructions on that stuff because it, it is a delicate garment. So what you want to do is you want to wash it on a gentle cycle and then you don't want to put it in the dryer. So you want to air dry it. And so, so I always hang those up um, and air dry them. And I've had pretty good luck, knock on wood, um, with them holding their color and, and seem to be hanging together pretty good. Um, they're not getting like stretched out or the seams aren't getting ripped up or anything like that from overwashing. Right. Okay. So any other products that you, uh, bought maybe an off brand product to, to supplement a QU product? That's a good question. As far as, well, my boots, I got Bushnell boots um, rather than like you can buy some mountain climbing boots on Kuyu's website, but unless you're doing like a Northwest Territory sheep hunt, they're probably a little over the top. Um, So I got some Bush, and I like to archery hunt with rubber boots anyway. Um, So I got some Bushnell boots for, I think I got them on sale for like 60 or 70 bucks, which is pretty good for insulated rubber boots um and then of course i mentioned the socks before i didn't buy any socks off of the kuyu site i mean i might be giving up a little something there as far as performance but i've never had too much troubles there um and then for a while i used a pair of gloves that i had um that were like insulate insulation um and then for christmas i just asked for kuyu stuff for christmas and I got a pair of their North Star gloves, which actually has Primaloft insulation in them. Um, and then I have a pair of Merino wool liner gloves. So I kind of switched from the cheaper gloves to, to Kuyu stuff. And I can say that they were, it was significantly a significant um, change in performance going to the Kuyu gloves. So other than mixing in a couple Sika items, which aren't really off brand by any means. Um, like I have that, the fanatic, um, like beanie, I guess it's called. Um, and then I have that like neck gaiter that kind of has the same liner as the fanatic beanie. And that stuff was absolutely awesome as far as breaking the wind. And the fanatic beanie is so warm. I had to take it off sometimes when I was just sitting in the tree stand. So I, I highly recommend those items and Kuyu at the time when I was buying Kuyu, they were a little bit slight on the the headwear as far as I was concerned. Like I like more coverage when it's cold um, than some of the stuff that they were providing at the time. That's why I went with Sika for some of that stuff. Yeah. I, I, I lost it. It's probably sitting in the timber somewhere, but I had a, one of those Sitka Merino beanies. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't raining or snowing outside, oh my God. I can't, I can't believe how much, you know, like, cause I'm, I'm a sweater, so I sweat a lot, but I would wear that when it was cold out walking to the stands, it would wick away, but even just sitting there and it, this, it's, it's as thin as a bed sheet almost. Mm-hmm. And just like no wind would really get through it. And I could just wear this very thin, I don't know. It, it's, it just, it performed very well and I, yeah. was, I was pleased with it. Yeah, their merino wool stuff is awesome. And like the liner gloves that I had that I wear underneath that outer North Star glove, all archery season, I basically just wore the liner glove. Uh, and I have these, I got 
somebody that's a seamstress to stitch me up these like little, they're like, I call them pocket liners. They're like a little fleece pouch basically that I just slip inside the pocket of my coat to give it a little bit more like insulation layer. And then I throw a hand warmer in there and it didn't cost me nothing. And I just have those Merino gloves on and they're thin enough to let the hand warmer heat through. And I just put them in my pockets and my hands all but sweat just with that. So that's, I mean, that works for me. Right. I, I, for me, for some reason, if I wear, I used to wear a pair of these thin select gloves and they did, you know, when it wasn't wet, it was awesome, but I would wear them to my stand in the mornings and there would be frost on the ground or there would be, you know, I'm touching, I'm trying not to touch stuff, but you know, you climb to your stand, your stand's covered in frost, then it gets wet and it just, it didn't perform. So what I do is I take like a pair of mechanics gloves Mm-hmm. and just wear a pair of those going to the stand and then I'll switch my gloves out when I get there. Right. Yeah. So did you ever notice how heavy some of that thin slate stuff is when it gets wet too? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like a, I mean, it's like a sleeping bag. Right. Yep. Right. Well, you know, speaking of sleeping bags, I had a guy who, uh, did a product review on that. Uh, it's like, what's it called? A sleeping bag in the uh, tree. God, I'm slipping. Oh yeah, right heater here. body suit. Yeah, the heater body suit. Yep. I'm really, really looking into something like that. Yeah, I've heard good things about them actually, because I think you can just roll them up and pack them in, yep. and then get them out when you're actually in the stand. I just always thought when I was younger and looking into them, I always thought that I would be there all zipped up, and then the big buck would walk by, and I wouldn't be able to get out of the thing <laughs> <laughs> or ever get out, and you're stuck. Yeah. In your stand. <laughs> Right. <laughs> well, uh, let's see here. So, you know, again, it's it's a more expensive piece than probably what you know product than what some are, uh, you know, accustomed to. Would you say that you know? Would you recommend to somebody who may be struggling with, you know, having to leave the tree because of the cold temperatures or because of weather conditions that it might be in their best interest to save up for one year or two years or however long it costs just to purchase some kind of, uh, you know, Sitka or Kuyu layering system to maybe help them be more comfortable in the tree. I would, I would say definitely yes. And I would, I would qualify it with if you're going to do it, make sure that you do your research and for the kind of hunting that you want to do. So if you're hunting like Western mule deer or something like that, or Western whitetails, or, and you're going to try some kind of spot and stalk hunting, you're going to assemble a completely different system than for tree stand hunting in say the Midwest or the East. Um, so I would definitely recommend it, but I would say do the research and assemble the system that you can that's basically made for the application that you want it for. And you can make Kuyu do that. You can make Sika do that. Um, Sika kind of does it for you because they have their whitetail line. Kuyu, you kind of have to think outside of the box a little bit and actually want to put a system together. That's probably one of the drawbacks as far as Kuyu for whitetail. You kind of have to do that research yourself, whereas Sika kind of puts the system right there in front of you. Okay. So... So we've got a recommendation. You say this is definitely something that you should look into, especially, you know, you recommend, you recommend a Kuyu, um, and overall a, a layering type system for 
you know, for a whitetail hunter. Um, where did you do your research other than on the, the site of the product? Did you go to any forums or did you go to any other like product review websites to yeah. check this stuff out? I did go to forums and I wish I could tell you which one it was. It was like a mountain hunting forum because that was most of the people who had used Kuyu. So when I was searching for Kuyu reviews and things like that, um, I was actually, to be honest with you, I was, I was, I felt com- comfortable with the science behind the garments because I, I went beyond Kuyu's website and to some of the vendor websites and, and read about the technology that was being used in them. So what I was more, full disclosure, what I was more looking for um, was reviews on the whole back order issue that they were dealing with at the time. Okay. Um, and so I wish I could remember which it was, but it was a mountain hunting forum. And there was guys on there that were defending Kuyu to their death. And there was guys on there that obviously had had some sort of experience and had it out for him. And then there was the guys that were kind of in the middle. And I would say that my experience is overwhelmingly positive, but with the back when that, when I was ordering, I did have to wait. There's total honesty there. I did have to wait for some of my garments. Now I don't think that they have the back order issues anymore that they were having then. I think some of it had to do with, um, some kind of, they said at the time that it was some kind of worker strike in the, um, in the ports. So some of the barges and stuff that were coming over from Japan weren't leaving with the product. Um, and then also because of their rapid growth. So I don't know how much of that is and isn't accurate. Um, but those were some of the frustrations that I was looking into when I was looking for reviews. I was like, Hey, how soon are you guys getting your stuff? Because it was coming up to hunting season and I didn't want to be without. Right. And there was a similar scenario almost, I bet you it was, you know, I don't know if it was anything about getting product to them, but maybe, maybe, um, you know, having back orders was that new company called Numa. Did you, have, did you hear about those guys at all? No, I haven't heard about them. They are, it's spelled P N U M A. Um, and they are, uh, a layering system just like Sitka and Kuyu. Now I haven't done too much research on them. I've tried to, I'm trying to get those guys on the podcast to, uh, come and, you know, talk about their products, but, uh, they, they have, they have, they've had issues recently too about back orders and, and not being able to get uh, product to the customers. They're also a direct to consumer company and, uh, you know, they do all the, it's the same company that actually owns scent blocker. Okay. Uh, owns these guys as well and uh they they actually if i'm not mistaken have a lifetime guarantee on their products oh wow on apparel think about that apparel yeah that's crazy that might that's almost like a tipping point you know for for, that'd be a big tipping point for some people you know if if it performs the same but it has a lifetime guarantee you send it in you get it fixed and they send it back to you yeah, like if you have a zipper break or something like that, you just send it in and right. you get it. You either right. get a new one or they fix it or whatever. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, and from my understanding, it's like a no questions asked type of money back guarantee, or uh, not money back, but uh, warranty. So similar to what Vortex has, right? You if right. you run over your truck or you run over your pair of binoculars, you send it in, they fix it. Just like mm-hmm. the, if you have a tear in it from crossing a barbed wire fence, mm-hmm. send it in, they'll fix it. No questions asked. That, that's crazy. That's great. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's that's something I'm gonna. I think I might look into just a little bit more just to see how they act. And like I said, try to get those guys on the podcast. But it's uh, it's pretty cool what some of the direct to consumer stuff. What what avenues it opens up. I mean, like you look at not to just like shamelessly pitch this out here because I know they sponsor your podcast, but like Exodus Trail Cameras, like what they yeah. can do with the trail camera warranty. I'm sure in part because of their direct sales model, you know? Yep. Um, so the, the pricing is one thing, but then the innovation is the other thing. You know, you, you don't have to hit these retailer price points so you can use the higher quality articles of, of you know, the garments and the materials and you don't have that. Okay. We can only sell the end product for 400 bucks. So your production cost has to be limited to a hundred bucks. Now your production cost can be, $140 and you can sell it for $300 and you still make more than you were making when you were selling it for a hundred, you know? Right. So it's a very, it's a cool thing. I think it's really the way that more and more companies in the outdoor industry are going to wind up going. Yep. Like Maven optics, you know, right. that yep. there's another direct to consumer company. Yep. Um, I, I just think it's really cool. You know, regardless it, it opens up, you know, because yes, I, and, and I'm just as guilty, right? So I'm that guy who likes to touch and feel and grab stuff before I buy it. But I'm getting to that point now where if I don't like it, I'll just return it. Right. right? My wife, my wife almost solely shops off of online now. She buys majority of her clothes, majority of her kids' clothes. She shops for me now. So like my my everyday shorts and t-shirts, whatever, mm-hmm. she buys online. And if she doesn't like it, it already comes prepackaged to just return it. And right. they credit your account. So, I mean, bingo. Yeah, it's, bingo. So, it's so easy anymore, especially yeah. with like Amazon with returns. Yep. So uh, it's just kind of it's, – it's, it's pretty cool what a company can do if they don't have to, you know, 40, 50% margins to a box, you know, a big box store. Right. Have to pay that. So that, that can go into innovation. It can go into five-year warranties. It can go into lifetime warranties. And uh, so uh, just – Well, doesn't it – doesn't it make you mad when you go into the box? And I don't want to knock retailers because they, I, I still go to retail stores. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I go to a bow shop that's a retail shop to get my bow worked on and everything. So anyway, but doesn't it kind of irritate you when you go to buy something there and somebody comes up and to help you and you know more about the product than them anyway? Right, right. So it's uh, like, what? Especially in the bigger ones like Cabela's right, uh, exactly. and, and Bass Pro, uh, especially Bass Pro. Yeah. But, but I, I go to, uh, I get my bow set up at a uh, box store called Shields. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're starting to grow all over the place, but, um, one of my, they're like, fr- they're like that upper Midwest, aren't they? Kind of like Wisconsin, Minnesota area. Yeah. Dakotas. Of. They, they're either the, even out far West as I think Utah now, but okay. they're, they're growing, but, the people who work at, and I can't speak for all of them because I do a majority of my shopping there. Like tonight I went in and I bought some nose jammer. I bought, uh, some stick and picks, some, uh, some like laundry, scent free laundry detergent, like dead down wind stuff. And, uh, something else some like screw in bow hooks and uh, I know the reason I go there is because I know if I have a question about the products they're hardcore hunters that are hunting there now I can't say the same for some of the other places yeah. that I've been where it's like uh I don't know <laughs> right exactly yeah like right and if they're doing that then that's an awesome way to differentiate yourselves from the rest of the big box stores exactly but yeah the 
the direct to consumer companies, the ones that I've had experience with, call them up. Someone's going to answer and someone's going to help you mm-hmm. who knows exactly what they're talking about. So I don't know. Right. Right. But, you know, we've uh, we've talked a while. First off, uh, Ruben, I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me, man. But we're not quite done yet because I, I think you may have made a mistake, my friend. <laughs> I, I thought maybe you forgot about that. <laughs> no, I'm not going to forget about that. I got I to gotta grill your ass because I made sure, like, I counted down the days. I even... Don't let my wife, don't let my wife hear this, but I actually passed on sex because I didn't want to have my baby born during October or November. So like, well, I did that with the first one too. (laughs) So when's your, okay. You have, you have one kid now when, when was their birthday? Yeah. So my son Shay was born uh, May 7th of 2015. Okay. So turkey season's over for the most part. Yep. So I'm I'm mostly in the woods whitetail uh, scouting for next whitetail season anyway. So I got most of that done before he was born. Um, okay. So that was all good. Um, and then I, I kind of started this out when I told you earlier. I said that I won up you because last year over the rut you had to go to a wedding. <laughs> right. And um, so I'm up <laughs> <laughs> I'm up clearing a new food plot at at our piece in New York and. Uh, so we were putting a little micro hunt plot in and I'm clearing it out and my wife texts me, um, can you call me? And so called her, I didn't get a hold of her, get home and she tells me I'm pregnant. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> and she said, I'm very pregnant. And I said, when are you due? And she said, I figured it out and I'm due November 1st. <laughs> So I got a question for you. Were you happy first or disappointed first? Well, at first I kind of had that like, <laughs> oh, oh crap moment because like at that point in time, our first one wasn't even a year old yet. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like uh, we're going to die. Yeah. Um, so, and then I, then I thought about, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like, how can I, how can I make this right? You know? So I, I formulated this plan that, She's going to have the baby on November 1st because she had a C-section the last... This is way too much information for a hunting podcast, but <laughs> she, she has to have a C-section because she had it the last time. So she we know like the day. Okay. Right. So there's not like... It's not... When is it going to happen? It's November 1st. So right. then her mom is coming in from Michigan to help out for two weeks after the baby's born. So I'm going to do my like whole you know hospital you know, obligations. And then I figure she's got, you know, the built in nanny here with her mom coming to help. So I can, so maybe it might work in my benefit. I might be golden, man. So, and I got two weeks, you know, November 3rd through, uh, 15th. Dude, I think, (laughs) I think you're treading on very thin ice. Yeah, I know. Now she really second that you're going to go hunting for two weeks after your baby's born on November 1st. Oh, I know, man. It's I mostly just joke about it, but uh, she is very she is very understanding. But she definitely can never hear this podcast now. I know, I know. If if uh, if for some reason my kid was born on November first, you best believe I would. Ne- first off, I would never be hunting November first again. Right. Se- second off, second off, the when they were born, the the year that they were born. Oh man, there's no way I would be hunting 
I would be hunting that that hunting season at all. You better you better hope I I get a crack at a, a deer in October. Yeah, and if you did go hunting, you better have the heater body suit because you're not welcome back. You're gonna have to stay in the <laughs> exactly. tree stand, or or I'm taking a kid with me. Right. Right. Well, uh, congratulations on the kid. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Um, are are you are you excited for this upcoming season? Oh man, I'm ready. I, I think I think I got it lined up, so maybe I can tag out in early season, and none of that will be an issue. So we'll right. see. Never All right, know. man. Well, good luck. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, keep us posted on how your uh, season turns out. Awesome, man. Thanks. All right, there you have it. Huge shout out to Ruben for taking time out of his day to come on the podcast and uh, chat about Kuyu and uh, layering systems that he's had his experience with. Huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras. Remember, if you guys are interested in a really high quality camera with some badass features that is a direct to uh, consumer company, check out exodusoutdoorgear.com. And if you do decide to purchase, Enter the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces. Also, check out deerlab.com backslash nine fingers, and you could and you will receive a 30-day free trial. Other than that, huge shout out to each and every one of you guys for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to download the podcast. Thank you very much. Also, um, you know, it's that time of year. You should be checking your gear, making sure it is working efficiently, effectively. You should also be, um, you know, paying attention to not only yourself, but the others around you who maybe share some of the same hunting space as you. Um, and because they may not be doing things ethically and legally, and you don't want to be involved in something like that just because you're, uh, uh, out of sight, out of mind type of thing. I don't know where that came from, but it was on the tip of my tongue. So I said it other than that. I mean, if you hunt out of a tree stand, don't be an idiot. Wear your damn safety harness. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. And, uh, I'm going to say it one more time because there's a lot of, uh, people starting to get into the timber. So I'll say it one more time. If you are in a tree stand, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good hump day.